0: Good morning. Uh, today, I'd like to talk about church membership. You can probably tell. Uh, you know, this topic has been on my heart for the for this church for quite a while now. And uh, this 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 message isn't a membership drive, trying to get you all to sign up. Um, Pastor Mike and I weren't we, we aren't paid more or looked upon more favorably. Uh, based on the number of official members of the church, okay, our our, our salary isn't tied to that any sort of metric. Um, We don't get paid more per per baptism, all right, that'd be cool if we did, right, Mike, we get incentive. No, we have no financial incentive, um. but this message is hopefully to get us to think more biblically about church membership and, and really what church life should look like, and it comes out of a genuine concern for this church and churches in general, and so I, I, I do have to split this topic of church membership into two messages. Um, so today our focus is only on changing our mindset of what church, uh, what the church is and what, ch- what membership should be like or uh, really is. Um, I wish I could speak on one cohesive message, but it would, it would be too long, okay? And so the next time I speak, maybe in a month or so, uh, we'll do part two. And then we'll talk about why we should join a church, what membership entails, and actually we'll cover a little bit about church discipline. Okay, I know that sounds scary, but um, we'll cover it briefly uh, the, in, uh, in my next message. But before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I know 2,000 years ago at Pentecost you, you started the, the what we now know as the Christian church, Father, and I, I pray that you convict our hearts and bring us back Bring us back to those roots, in your son's name I pray, Amen. You know, as a starting point today, if if I were to poll all of you, poll all of you today, I'll, I'll bet there are some people that would say that membership is necessary, and some people that would say membership is eh, it's a little bit more optional, right? But I'm guessing that the majority of Christians are somewhere in between, like somewhere in between necessary and optional, right? And I'll. I'll bet that most people have this vague sense that Christians should be part of a local church somewhere, somehow, but I'll bet that they would say that it's not a huge thing to worry about, that we shouldn't make too big a deal or too much of a priority about it. If people go hopping from church to church or they decide to attend one church indefinitely without joining, that's okay too. Maybe it's a fear of commitment. Maybe it's one thing about a church that bothers you so that prevents you from joining. Maybe it's like theological issue, you don't like the music, you don't like the children's program. Maybe it's wanting to, you know, keep our options open, right, that prevents us from joining a church. If you think that church membership is necessary, then I hope what I'll say today will be reaffirming to you. If you think that church membership is optional, even if you're already a member of this church, then this message is for you. You know, when we ask, are you going to church, we usually mean the building, right? Are you going to church today? But that's not the true meaning of the word church. The building, this building here, this is just where we meet. In the New Testament, the church is simply the people who proclaim faith in Christ Jesus. Christians, that's the church. The church is the Christians. It's that simple. And in the New Testament, when it talks about the church, it's talking about the people committed to Jesus and committed to each other, committed to Jesus and committed to each other, and many of us, maybe most of us, probably are Christian, probably, probably are believers in Christ Jesus, committed to Him on, you know, some sort of level, right? But how committed are we to each other? We're about to read the story of the early churches, uh, the early church in Acts, and you'll see that they only meant for believers, they only meant for Christians to be members, no one else. And we'll see how committed they were to each other. So let's go back to the very beginning and see how the early church began and operated. If you have your Bibles um, and you want to follow along, we'll be in Acts 2, starting in verse 36. Acts 2, verse 36. Otherwise, I'll have, this, uh, I'll have the uh, verses up. Uh, I want to give a little background. Uh, if you remember, um, there's a bunch of people gathered, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills them, right? And then they all, speak, they all start speaking different languages. They all start speaking in different tongues, and, and they're completely confused. and like, man, what the heck is going on here? Right, And everyone is confused. And so Peter gets up and he addresses them. And Peter is like, you know, Jesus is king, y'all, and y'all killed him. All right? Okay, that was my paraphrase. His actual words were, in verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, To Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Not repent and go to church, repent and attend a weekly Bible study, repent and donate 10% of your wages, repent and join the worship team, repent and join the youth group. Although all those things are good to do. Repent and be baptized. That was his command. I mean, if you look, he's, he's, he's telling people to identify themselves with Jesus through baptism. Jesus himself was baptized. You know, it's it's almost like he wants to start a new thing that identifies Christians as a, as a, as a marked-off people. This public action, this, this public identity marker is kind of given by this point, isn't it? Baptism. Do, okay, do you remember the Old Testament where uh, God used the act of circumcision to identify his nation, his marked-off nation as Israel? That's how they set apart, right? The men were circumcised. Right, if you're circumcised... You're from Israel. Not circumcised, not from Israel. It seems here that baptism is marking off Christians, like almost as if it's the new Israel. If you're a Christian and have not been baptized, I urge you to to do so, to consider it. There's no reason to put it off. We had some baptisms last week and we have some today. And you're thinking of being baptized, please come to Pastor Mike or myself. Repent. And be baptized. The first things that the Christians did was repent and be baptized. And then OK, so apparently Peter talks like a really long time. Um, verse 40, with many other words, he warned them. And then he pleaded with them, "Save yourselves from this corrupt generations, from this corrupt generation." Those who accepted his message were baptized there's that word again and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the beginning of the church. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Those four things, the teaching, the fellowship, the eating together, and the prayer. 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Last part of our passage today in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is basically the beginning of the church. Repent and be baptized. and And then live life together. It's obvious now that to be a Christian is to belong to the church. To be a Christian is to belong to the church. No one gets saved and wanders around aimlessly thinking about whether to join a church. People repent and then get baptized into the fellowship of the church. You're automatically part of the church, and that's true of us at this specific church. Um, we're part of a larger denomination, and if you are baptized here, you're automatically you're automatically part of this church. Becoming Christians be, uh, means being part of a new family. It's automatic. Think about it, like. Right? If a young person is adopted, right, that means they overnight have new brothers and sisters and, 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 and uncles and aunts and, and parents, and it's, it's, it's automatic. You, you automatically have new family. When we become Christian, we are adopted into his family, his kingdom, his righteousness. Churches were founded in the beginning of Christianity, and churches were just their members. There's no buildings, there's no websites, no small groups, no, no worship teams. So, in a couple years ago in 2020... 2020 seems a long, a long time ago, right? I became worried about the members of our church. Um, I was worried about how people were doing in their faith. I was worried about members slipping through the cracks. And now I was worried about that there are people on our membership roster who, who perhaps could not fully articulate the gospel, and that was concerning to me. And, he, and then what happened in the early part of 2020? The pandemic hit and everything was closed down. We started watching church on Sunday mornings from our couches, right? And let's be honest, we, we lost a lot of contact with each other for over a year. And I know a lot of you are, are from different churches, but think back a couple years ago. So during the early part of the pandemic, I asked the church council to read, to read one chapter together. Just one chapter in a book called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And it's a book that Henry, Rick, and a former pastor of this church, Pastor Jalen uh, and I, the four of us, we read together. Um, actually a couple years prior to that. Uh, I've listed all nine chapters up there so that you can get a feel for what the book talks about, uh, nine essentials for a ha- healthy church. Uh, but, the, but the specific chapter that we read was chapter six, uh, a biblical understanding of church membership, a biblical understanding of church membership. We all skipped to chapter six, and we all read it. And after a discussion of just this one chapter, just this one chapter We were so convicted of its truths that we decided to read the entire book together, beginning back in chapter 1. And and we finished it. Uh, We took one chapter a month, so it took us almost a year. If you are a council member back in 2020, uh, I hope you remember this. So from this book, I want to read uh, um, a medium-length story um, about a guy named Rob, who was a church attender for much of his life. Uh, it's fictional, okay, but if you read this story, as I read this story, see if you can identify with or, or recognize certain events. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, the story is much longer, so I'm going to set, set it up. Rob accepts Jesus. He prays this prayer that his friends lead him in, okay, and then he starts going to church, right? And that's, a, that's a kind of a common scenario, right? You, you kind of bring a friend in, and, and uh, you uh, kind of lead them, and then they start, they have this new life, okay? So he's, uh, Rob starts going to church. Okay, so let me, let, let me read this. In the years that followed, Rob lived a pretty upstanding life. By the time he was 40, some people thought of him even as a, as a pillar of the church. He got involved in a church where the preaching was usually exciting. The sermons were short, to the point, and filled with good stories. Memorable anecdotes and moving illustrations. Rob really loved to listen, especially to the stories. He would have to confess, had anyone cornered him, that he didn't really know his Bible very well. Though he taught Sunday school for several years, he couldn't tell you where most of the books in the Bible were or why the Exodus was important or, or what the book of Revelation was all about. Rob had his own thoughts about God and shared these with people, but he didn't really get them from the Bible. They were just things he had heard and thought about himself. He imagined the gospel to be a pretty straightforward offer from God to, fig- to forgive our sins if we would just own up to them. Yeah, that one's on me. He knew that Jesus and the cross were important, but he wasn't sure exactly how. Rob thought of, if the truth were known, Rob thought of conversion kind of like the decision to buy a new car or some other momentous decision in life. It was big, it was a little scary, but it was just something you had to do. Everyone, he thought, should get around to it sometimes, and the sooner the better, because the sooner would be better than later, because, you know, you, you never know. Evangelism to Rob was what the church staff did. And what he had done maybe a couple times. He had to do a bit of a back of it back when they had a pastor who was big on knocking doors. And, and then there's one time he was a chaperone at, on a youth trip, and a couple of the boys had some questions about what it meant to be baptized and join the church. So he had to talk to them about it. But that was it. Actually, Rob himself had never joined the church. But most people probably didn't even realize that. He went through periods of more involvement and periods of less involvement. Sometimes he attended church every Sunday for a year, and other times he wouldn't be there for one month, two months, three months. And honestly, he kind of liked it that way. He was able to pick and choose the things he wanted to get involved with. After all, joining joining the church had always seemed to him like giving someone a blank check. And then there were problems a few years ago when his daughter, who was in the church choir, had been taught some things that he thought were just crazy. Why, if they had gone on, his daughter could have in, ended up as a foreign missionary or something. So he had forbade her to go to choir, youth group, Bible study, or even church for a while. And he himself didn't go for the better part of a year. He wasn't worried about it, though, because he believed once saved, all was saved, so that's he's, he's good. And he knew they had been saved because he prayed that prayer with his friends. He didn't really have anything to worry about. Besides, at that time, they had a pastor with whom he didn't get along with very well. And to be honest he figured he would just kind of wait him out. He had seen pastors come and go. Some of the new things this pastor wanted to do really bothered him. This new pastor wanted to give a lot more money to missions when there was plenty of work to be done on the church building. He talked, he talked about the, the new pastor, talked about the church changing things while having elders. He even talked about church discipline, which to Rob sounded scary, judgmental, and unchristian. Rob knew that most pastors didn't last long. Especially if Rob let it be known that he was voiding church involvement for a while because of a particular pastor. Is it surprising that Rob wasn't growing as a Christian? And more than that, that it didn't bother him that he wasn't growing as a Christian? So, you know, this story of Rob is a fictional story, but, but think about it for a moment. We just, we just kind of assume each other's spirituality, perhaps not knowing where we are with Jesus. Where are we in our faith? Are we doing well? Are we doing well? Are we struggling? Are we stagnating? Somewhere in between? I've been all three, and I'm a pastor, and I've, I've had my ups and downs, and I've shared them with you over the years. Do we really know each other beyond our names and our professions? Some of us have known each other a long time. Quantity? Quantity? and yet we don't know each other well, quality. Think about that for a moment. We've known each other for a long time, quantity, and yet perhaps we don't know each other very well, quality. I'll bet many of us don't know each other's testimonies, how we came to know Jesus, how we came to know the truth. And so back then I I worried about our church, especially since I, I know some of you are hurting right now. And that means there are probably even more that I don't know about. Before I got married, I'd never been part of a wholesale club, Uh, Sam's Club, Costco, whatever. I never shopped at one. I I never paid for a membership at either one. Uh, I used to, if you know me, I used to live in Pasadena. I wasn't really close to one, but our new home in Temple City happened to be very close to a Sam's Club. Uh, We walked there a couple times, Uh, so we joined. I used to shop at only Food for Less and sometimes Ralph's. And so I'll I'll never forget the the awe and wonderment every time I walked into Sam's Club. Do you remember the first time you walked into a Costco or Sam's Club? Just me? No one's nodding their head, guys. No one. It's just me. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Okay, Henry, thank you. Okay, some people are, I'm like, it's just me? You guys are not going to identify with me? It was amazing. I, I remember I would just stand there and look all around and like take in the view and be amazed. Seriously, the place is huge. There's massive tall ceilings, rows and rows of food and merchandise, huge giant screen TVs, ma- free food samples, right? And just looking at people's carts, all the sheer quantity of things that they were buying. I was so amazed when I would walk into Sam's Club, and this was, Jane, when did we get married? 2016. Okay? 2016, we got married and we moved into Temple City. I've got four words for you. I'm so glad that I was caught on a live stream because I could not have timed that more perfectly. I've got four words for you. Five dollar rotisserie chicken. Right? Am I right? And what a time to be alive. I was amazed. I'm like... You can, you can birth a chicken and raise it and to a full-grown chicken and, 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 and prepare it and, and transport it all the way here and, and cook it and present it and package it for $5? Today when I walk into a Sam's Club, I don't notice that anymore. I go in and get my stuff and get out. I barely think about how majestic I once thought Sam's Club was. But I remember it. I remember it. I took that footage a few weeks ago because I knew I was preaching this. My membership there doesn't mean as much to me as it once did. And I think after years, perhaps decades of attending uh, church, many of us have lost that wonder and amazement of joining and being part of a church body. We kind of shuffle in on Sundays for a couple of hours, leave, and that's it. But I want us to capture that, that spirit of being a body, part of a body of believers, just like that early church we read about in Acts 2. Our current membership form is a single page that asks more administrative information rather than spiritual information, and asks more administrative information rather than spiritual information. All you do is read a statement and sign. You don't even have to write anything out. And I'm afraid that some of us have just checked the box and signed without really knowing what it means to be Christian. And I think our church membership process probably needs to be revamped. We need to figure out who our members truly are. Church membership means that we are fellow brothers and sisters in the kingdom. Look around you. Fellow brothers and sisters in the kingdom. But now I think maybe our church membership does it mean as much to us as it maybe once did. Just like me losing my enthusiasm and excitement of of being a member of, of Sam's Club. And right now, let's be honest, church membership, at least at this church, means we sit through a congregational meeting once a year and vote on two things, new budget and new leaders, am I right? Maybe we've lost our enthusiasm and excitement at being part of a local church. And I want us to look into changing that. I, I think our current mindset is this. We kind of lump churches into this, this same category as like knitting clubs or rotary clubs or, or the Boy Scouts. Like there's, like there's this voluntary association. You can join the Boy Scouts and then you can attend or not attend. That's up to you. It's completely voluntary. We hire personal trainers, right, and go to gyms to take care of our physical health, right? Some of us. Maybe maybe we go to pastors and, and we go to churches to take care of our spiritual health. Maybe church is supposed to fill up your spiritual gas tank when it's low. Maybe pastors are supposed to service your soul. You haven't read the Bible lately? Time to go to church. The Bible would be read for you. Forgotten to pray lately? Time to go to church. The pastor will pray for everybody. Maybe we treat churches as a service provider. You know, when we go to a gas station we fill up our cars with gas, we don't really hang around when we are done, right? That's silly, right? We, we, we're done, so we, we drive off. Maybe we feel there's no need to hang around church or church people after service, after service is over or, or during the week if you, if you have something right after. Maybe we think that's just too much to hang around with other Christians. We have our own lives to worry about, right? We get our Sunday fill-up, and then we are good for the week. This is not what church is supposed to be. And when I say, when I say the church, uh, I don't mean our church, this specific church. I mean the local church. And I, I, and I realize there are, are, are people from other churches today, uh, in, actually every week. Wherever you live or wherever you attend that, the church, this is not a message to get you all to join this church. This, is, this message is, is for all Christians to join the church they're attending, to officially join their church. Um, trying to convince you to join this church perhaps uh, sounds self serving. So I want to say this. If you're a Christian, join a church. We'd be happy to have you, but join a church. And if the current church you are attending is not the one you want to join, to officially join for whatever reason, I encourage you to find a church that you're willing to officially join. Be a participating member of that church body. So this church, the church, any church, the church, is not a club. It's not a voluntary organization where membership is optional for us. The, the church is not supposed to be like this, this nice group of people who share common interests in Jesus things and meet weekly to hear about God or talk about God. If we think of joining church as voluntary, we start thinking that it's okay to attend a church indefinitely without joining. We think it's okay to get baptized without joining. We think it's, it's okay to take communion without joining. We think it's okay to skip church a few Sundays, a month or more. We don't integrate our lives with day-to-day, our, our day-to-day lives with the lives of other Christians. This is, hap- this is what happens when we think that church is voluntary and that membership is optional. Now, you know, from the point of a non-Christian, yeah, membership at a local church is completely voluntary. Sure, no one has to join. I get that. But from the point of view of a Christian, if, a, if you are a believer, I argue it's not. Once we choose Jesus, we choose its people too. It's a package deal. We choose God, we choose Jesus. We have to choose the whole family, which we do through the local church. When we are adopted into the family, we don't get to choose who our extended family is, right? They already just are. So I think we've had this lax culture of what church membership is and what it means, and I'm guilty of this too. And I want to adjust our thinking on a more biblical level. I, I don't have a plan. I don't have all the answers yet, uh, the then council back in 2020, uh, we bounced around a few ideas, um, and, you know, Pastor Mike got hired, and, um, and and he and I have talked. But I fear from our lax membership process, there may be members of this church who may not fully understand the gospel or even articulate it. And this comes out of, this comes out of concern and judgment, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. This comes out of concern and not judgment already. Boy, that not is really important. So this comes out of concern and not judgment, by the way. All right, please don't misunderstand me. Every every few months, we will review explicitly the gospel uh, in, in the youth group. Um, I will give them a blank sheet of paper, and I'll ask them to write out the gospel. I want us to be a body of believers living for Jesus together. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about church membership quite as we might want it to, and I get it. We want... We want this clear, delineated, like unambiguous steps for church membership in the Bible. Step one, step two, step three, step four. I get I don't want that too. But instead, the Bible talks about how God's people gathered together and lived their lives. The Bible talks about how God's people gathered together and lived their lives. We read that in Acts 2, the fellowship, the praying, the communion, the dedication to the teaching and learning. I'm not asking us to sell all our our stuff and, and, and live together but I want us to capture that spirit of living together for Christ spiritually and keeping each other accountable, and we'll get, we'll get into that next, my next message. I want that for us. I would love to see us checking in on one another on a deeper level, but I realize this, this requires us to be vulnerable, and it might get uncomfortable. And I've started to talk to the youth group individually deeper about their faith recently, our faith is not meant to be lived in private, and I fear that a lot of us do that. Let's live together. Let's, let's ask each other. Jane and I, we will talk about theology and discuss. How are you spiritually? How are you with God right now? What are you struggling with right now? We know our marriages are not perfect. What can, what can I pray for? What can we pray for? Let's pray for one another. Offer often. Pastor Mike asks us to pray for one another each week. Let's do it more often than meet and greet time. Let's take baby steps. Let's take care of each other physically and spiritually. We're good at taking each care of each other physically. I've seen amazing examples. I've heard of amazing examples in the church where people needed help. But let's watch over one another spiritually as well. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's build each other up. Let's be examples to one another. Uh, I have more concrete stuff, but it will be in the next message. Again, I wish I could, I wish it could have been one cohesive message, but it would be too long. So I want to end today's message with an urgent call. To love and care for one another on a deeper level. This is what the church, the universal church, really is. We call it the Catholic church with a small c. This is the universal church. And you're pro- if you're thinking, well, I can do all that, ask all those questions and care for one another without officially joining a church, without officially applying for membership, I hear you. So my next message is, God willing, we'll talk about, about why we should join a church officially and what membership means. And we'll actually briefly cover church discipline. Though I may, I may leave that for a revamped church membership class. I know it can be uncomfortable to think about or envision um, like, the, uh, like what a new church would look like, but let's be, a, let's be a group of Christians who love and care for one another, and not just on Sunday mornings. To the many of us in this room right now who are members of this church, let's brainstorm together, let's, let's think together, or how we can walk in our faith together, how we can form stronger bonds with each other and reach out to our community better. Walk in our faith with God together form stronger bonds with each other and reach out to our community better, right? We're talking vertical relationships to God and horizontal relationships with each other and then the greater community. We do this because we acknowledge that we are sinners, and the just punishment for our sin is permanent separation from God. God is that holy He's that set apart. That's what it means. He's that set apart that he cannot be in the presence of sin. And the just punishment for our sin is eternal separation from him. We call that place hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to pay that price that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Through his grace and only through his grace is this possible? There's nothing that we do that we can earn that we can earn our salvation. No matter how good you are, let's be a church who loves one another. Let's pray, <clears throat> Heavenly Father. Again, so many, so long ago when your spirit came in the, upon those people and Peter preached to them, admonished them, but exhorted them to turn to you, to repent and be baptized. And their response, Father, I pray that for this church, that we would live life together, Father, to keep one, to keep one another accountable, to urge to exhort us, each one another, to good deeds to abide in your love. Father, may, may we obey the greatest and the second greatest commandment, to love you with all our being and to love one another, our neighbors as ourselves. In your Son's most holy and precious name, amen.